Welcome back to the Craft and Career podcast series that features conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries, where we expose our listeners to various approaches for craft and career and consider how the two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and it's my pleasure to introduce our next guest. Ari Edelson, class of 98, is a director and producer who has worked in the United States and internationally, from off-Broadway to London to Tokyo, in plays, musicals, and opera. He serves as the artistic director of The Orchard Project, a renowned accelerator developer of new theater, TV, audio, and other dramatic projects. As well as graduating from Yale University, Ari is an alum of the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. And so, w welcome Ari. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you here. Um, so interested in you, your take in this craft and career question. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, I hope you're excited to be a part of this ongoing conversation. Uh, very honored to be here, Derek. Thank you. Of course. Um, so let's jump right in. We always start on the bigger and harder part of this, which is career. <laughs> what is it when you think of career that is the stumbler, the definer, the, the energy behind it? When, when, I, when we even use that word, like what do you mean by career? It's a really good place to start because we're going into a philosophical area um, before even nuts and bolts of how you get anywhere. Uh, there's the universe that our parents all, you know, all grew up in and existed in where you had a career for life and you uh, decided to go into banking and then you went to a bank and then you were there for many, many years or you went into insurance or you went into education and you sort of found a place and you got tenure and then you were there for years and years and years and years. And uh, when I when I left Yale in 98, uh, decided to go into the arts world for a career. Uh, I think that I went very well aware that uh, that it was not going to be the same as my father going into medicine or my mother going into law, right? right. And uh, and that it was going to be a peripatetic journey, um, and it has definitely been a peripatetic journey. What is interesting is to see the rest of the world has actually caught up with that a little bit, or fallen back to that a little bit, depending right. on your, depending <laughs> on your point of view. Progress or regress, yes. But what was de facto for those of us who were going into the arts has now become um, uh, something that is much more commonly spoken about in a gig economy uh, in, uh, in many other areas, including the areas that were those areas of traditional, stable, uh, careers. Um, and so when I now think about career, I do actually think that we all share this idea that career is a journey with many stops on it rather than an achievement that we make and then grow within that achievement. Um, I still ask, you know, even the people that I work with consistently ask, we all ask each other, what do we want to do when we grow up? Uh, mm -hmm. because many of us think that we're in a marathon. We're not in a sprint. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's a healthy way to to, to be looking at this. Um, that even gets further complicated in particular career paths. It may be even different than the gig economy, just in the sense of the artistic, the creative, right? So we we encapsulate that in in these talks with an idea of craft, 
and what is craft and what does it mean and how is it both dependent upon or separate from career. So when we use that other word and say your craft, your practice, um, what does that mean to you? You know, it means a number of different things to me. Uh, in you know, in the in the theater world or in the arts world, uh, the idea of craft is very much uh, connected to point of view and process, right? And uh, and the way that any of us make the chocolate. Uh, that we then end up sharing with other people and selling or uh, collaborating on or learning from or experiencing. Um, but I think that also when you talk about how craft and career connect, you're also talking, well, what is the journey? Like what are the initial phases of the journey that are developing those skills and those aptitudes that then become the point of view or become the assets that you're then sharing with other people when you have made the transition from student to apprentice to uh, early career artist or entrepreneur or whatever you are to person who is saying, okay, I've got to make this thing work. <laughs> and I yeah. might have to make it work enough that I can afford a mortgage or, you know, make sure that my children have food on the table. Uh, right. Um, so I can live. Know, so that I can live. Exactly. So when you personally, think about the place for and the pursuit of craft, um, what keeps you coming back to that practice, that growth in voice, that growth in perspective and experience? Um, what keeps you coming back to that table, um, even beneath the shadow of this bigger career question? Well, so in, in my world, and you know, my world is both as a director and a producer and also as a champion of other people's work through yep. the nonprofit that I run, um, I, what, what's resonating in your question for me is actually a question that I ask consistently of myself and of others, which is why me, why this, why now, right? And if you're pitching a television show or you're pitching a piece of theater or you're, you know, you've written an independent movie and you need to go and try to get financing for it, any of these things, when you're actually trying to get people to buy into it, to help you make the thing that you'd like to share with the rest of the world, or you're trying to attract audiences to it, People are buying into your point of view. They're buying into the thing that makes you unique. They are buying into your craft, right? Like they are buying into that thing that makes Derek, Derek and Ari, Ari. And how um, how each of us have a different approach to the universe and we should embrace what makes each of us weird, right? We should lean into our weirdness. And so the process of developing craft to me is very much a process of leaning into your weird. Right. And leaning into your weirdness so that that actually then becomes an opportunity for you to understand that your point of view is going to be very different than someone else's point of view. And that we all don't need to be making the same play. We don't all need to be making the same musical or the same because at the end of the day, that is you know also what the audience turns on Netflix to, you know, to tune into or goes to the theater to tune into. They want to be inspired by a different point of view. And that different point of view is basically the summation of your craft. At that moment, at that, at that moment, I would even say like at, at that moment in time that they experience, because it can change and evolve. And yes, and so it is, you know, it is also at that moment with those circumstances, with those resources. Um, and that's also very important to always be aware that things might just be a iteration of something much larger as well. 
And do you ever feel because of that in either, you know, being convicted by that question on occasion? I think everyone probably is, you know, there, this is my definition of what craft is, but do you ever feel like the, the why me, why this, why now, um, does that ever, you know, creep back into changing your, your decisions or, you know, careers over there, you know, taking you in certain directions, but the POV, the what am I adding to the equation? What am I adding? You know, where is my voice landing in this chorus? Um, does that ever become like something that is a, a wrestling match between the two? All the time. All the time, I think. And also, I think that it becomes, you know, I think that it not only becomes a question of refining, um, you know, refining uh, what your, you know, what your craft might be or what your, uh, point of view might be an important part of the process that at least for those people who are in the art space in the creative arts to also have a very, very introspective, um, an introspective exploration of what, what entrepreneurs would call product market, product market fit. Right. right. Scary, scary way of framing this. <laughs> and to sometimes say like, okay, I've had like, this is a perfect example. Let's just say as an example, uh, I have worked for years and years and years on, uh, becoming the best, um, the best clown physical theater artist who works in silk aerial dance. Let's just use that as an example. Yeah. And, and, and you've really developed your craft as an aerial silk, uh, performance artist. And, and let's just say like the horrible, horrible example, but I'm just going to throw it out there that, uh, there is a, a moment in time in which, uh, there might've been an accident and the, you know, people are not very comfortable going to shows where people are dangling from silks from, you know, from the rafters for a little bit of time. Insurance companies don't want to insure uh, any any circus pieces because there might have been something that's the market is basically saying there's not going to be silks for a little bit of time. Yeah, you that's have to then go, you have to go back and you have to rephrase your your craft. Right. So this is this is my crass example of it. But there are many different versions of of that. And if you are uh, if you're a person who is really interested in making large scale musicals and there is a pandemic and you can't do large scale musicals, you also have to do that then, too. There's a way of you have to think, OK, how do I continue to reinvigorate my craft so that I can find opportunities to bring it to market? Right. And I think yeah. bringing it like bringing something to market, sadly, is, you know, we live in a capitalist society. Um, we, many of us wish we didn't, um, but mm -hmm. we have to figure out, OK, how are we going to communicate with an audience as well? Well, I like that. And I, I think there's a real responsibility in talking about how those two things are answerable to each other. Right. It can sometimes feel like, you know, the one is obviously answerable to the other, but like it, it works. There's a reciprocity here that there can be growth and expansion and imagination that's required because of the practical reality of the career side, which maybe even has the potential of, of expanding and, and evolving and improving the, the craft and the practice side. I like that. That's, that's a, it's actually optimistic in some ways, um, given the reality of it all, right? 
Uh, I had uh, a wonderful tutor in graduate school named Andrew McKinnon, uh, who is uh, well known in the uh, directing uh, universe in the UK, who very quickly, the first thing he said to us is treat yourself like a business. And, and for and for many artists, that is very difficult. For many people entering into this field, it is very difficult because he also have to say you have to separate what is personal and not personal. Um, you have to learn how to take things like the great the great educator um, and business management consultant Gordon Ramsay said in an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> You know, he said to somebody who had a bad restaurant, he said, you know, just you have to don't take it personally, take it seriously. And, you know, and that's the, the, that's always in the back of my head. The, the great, yeah. the, the great, the great theater scholar, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, no, that's great. And th that really sets the context um, for the, the ways that we think of and are navigating some of these spaces. Um, Ari, could you tell me a little bit more about what you're, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're imbibing, what you're experiencing right now that is, is inspiring or opening up new channel or, or sort of have, has you on the edge of your seat? A anything in that direction? Uh, as far as uh, as far as culture is concerned, um, we all know that this is an extremely exciting time for TV. Um, I, you know, peak yeah. TV peak TV continues to peak higher, um, and um, and and one of the wonderful things about you know about the the moment that we are seeing within the television world um, is uh, is an embrace in the TV world that they don't have to go for lowest common denominator programming. Um, so there are programs like We Are Lady Parts coming out of the UK uh, about a young Muslim punk rock band uh, uh, that would never have been made in uh, a lowest common denominator network uh, centric fashion 10 years ago. And the different points of view that you're seeing in that ecosystem are really exciting and really inspiring. Um, I would also say separately that at least within the dramatic art forms, we are only seeing the beginning of audio in the United States really leaning into its potential as an opportunity, not only in its own right, but also as an opportunity for dramatic storytellers to um, to create stories that might exist in audio first, but then might also be portable into other media such as television or theater or film. And, um, and there are audio first storytellers um, uh, making things like uh, Passenger List um, and, oh, that was great. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and other programs that are, you just sort of think, wow, there's a future to this form that is really exciting as we've moved into, I, you know, everybody carrying a portable media consumption device that I'm very, very excited for, for us to see where that, where that form takes us. Right. And, and uh, within a, you know, a, a model that was not quite hit the same way with COVID and in some ways accelerated in the midst of COVID, which, you know, had a, I think a, a healthy new embracing, you know, from a lot of different directions that might not have happened. So if, if there are silver linings, <laughs> um, expansion of channel is one of those, of those linings, right? Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, and at the Orchard Project, we, we were fortunate that we had already opened up what had traditionally been a very wide array of dramatic uh, theater performance forms 
uh, we had opened it up to episodic storytelling back in 2018. Uh, was our first year that we had sort of leaned into that form and very quickly realized that audio was going to be the next form that we should expand into. Uh, and the creativity that you are seeing within these various fields is really inspiring. And it is many of the same storytellers that you're also seeing bouncing back and forth between the performance dramatic storytelling form uh, and these forms as well. Yeah, certainly a lot of uh, excitement and energy in that direction. Um, how important, and this is going to be, feel like kind of a, uh, a base question for something, you know, with your theatrical background. Of course, community is big. Collaboration is big. Uh, theater as a practice and uh, media and uh, television, all of those things sort of have, you know, quite a bit of interactivity involved in them. But when we think about that through the lens of, of, of practice, of creativity, how important is having the, that community of practice, having that sense of the people that you can rely on and trust and build conversation and context over years and not just over one project. Um, what does that look like for you and, and how important is it personally? Well, so I'm gonna to try to connect this hopefully to, to your audience, which uh, are uh, people within our Yale community and um, I am still in touch now, 20 some odd years later, I'm still in touch with people that I was making theater with at Yale. And, wow. um, yeah. and uh, the language that Mark Robinson from the shared survey class instilled in us that we shared as undergraduates with the graduate students from the Yale School of Drama, that language is still the language that is essentially the base language that a lot of us operate with many, many years later. And the shorthand that I have with people who are now running regional theaters, television directors, uh, dramatists, uh, musical theater composers from that time as an undergraduate only makes every other relationship I have stronger and every other new relationship I have stronger. Um, you know, I very often, I very often uh, tell younger artists that I'm lucky enough to work with that it's very important to find their tribe uh, and whatever that means, and there's many definitions of that, but people who they can actually experiment with, take risks with, fail with, and have also enough trust with that they can be told when they're not good. Right? I think that part of a community of practice is honesty. Also, yeah. Is honesty. Um, and you know, and also as we are not only dealing with uh, a universe in which we would like to be honest with each other about our artistic foibles, but also personal foibles. Um, that honesty is even more important um, as we sort of have trust and a sense of optimism as to how we can all be better citizens uh, and community members as well. And so having, you know, having those people is kind of the real, that's the real journey is finding those, you know, those colleagues, people who you can fail with, people you can succeed with and build with and create with and inspire with. But also people who are honest about you when, you know, when the peanut butter is too chunky. Right. And how important is that, particularly going back to what you mentioned about POV and voice and, you know, that has such an internalized individual with with an understanding and reaction to the things around you. But I mean, it's entirely subjective, 
Like, and how difficult is that to, to toe that line, which is necessary without a partnership of other people capable of both understanding what you're going for and, and that you are willing and wishing to respect things that you might not be able to pick up just with your single POV. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so the, the other C, the career side of things, it's a little, little less forgiving, um, but just as important. Could you tell us a little bit about how your career journey, and I know your career has sort of, you know, expanded in multiple directions. So we'll think about that on the, on the you know, as a amalgam of, of, of the different interests and steps that you've taken. But how, how did it start? What were those, the, you know, those first and kind of defining steps in your process as you emerged from Yale and, and you know, uh, made your way into, you know, this stream that you would be, you know, navigating for years to come? You know, when, when you have friends or colleagues or people you look up to who are going into, say, medicine, right? They finish college, they then go to medical school, they then go do their internship, they then go do their residency, they then they go sort of go on faculty somewhere or into private practice. That that kind of sort of progression of steps is very, very well articulated. Yes, it is enviable. In envi enviable because somebody, somebody somewhere decided to write it down and decided to say, oh, if you would like to get from There's a recipe for this, if you'd like to get from A to B, these are, you know, yeah, you know, if you want to go into law, maybe you go into consulting for a little bit. Maybe you go into public service for a little bit. Maybe you do this, but then you find your way into law school. Then you find your way over into associate. You know, and then you find your way into maybe public service law. And then you find your way into various areas of that. But it is still somehow within the, you know, the general definition of logical A to B to C to D. Right, right. Um, there is a path. There is no path here. There is absolutely no path <laughs> for you know for the um, for the entrance into the arts world, except once again, sort of thinking like uh, you know Andrew McKinnon did, saying you have to treat yourself like a business, and you have to sort of say, okay, what am I personally going to be offering into this ecosystem? So for me. Uh, having never done a junior year abroad or any, uh, you know, any abroad experiences, having an understanding of where my artistic practice and my career might exist within a global practice was really important to me, uh, which is why I did my graduate work in the United Kingdom. And I was lucky enough to continue exploring uh, relationships over there for a few years afterwards. I got hired out of graduate school uh, at the National Theater as a director on detachment. And what I thought was going to just be a short amount of time in the UK turned into a good few years. And that became very much a formative experience of where my aesthetic and where my craft and also a huge number of the relationships that began my earning power as an artist you know, came into play. Um, mm -hmm. It would have been enough if I sort of took that and then bridged that back to the United States, which was my eventual goal. But bizarrely enough, those relationships then took me to Japan, uh, where uh, I unusually got my first real jobs directing, you know, directing in seasons and directing shows in a language that I do not speak, um, directing generally American classics, uh, thrown into the deep end of directing them with in a, in a culture that I did not know um, and needed to navigate both as a dramaturg and a director and an interpreter of uh, of mostly the American canon. 
so I sort of think of myself, I've gone to graduate school three times. Like once I went to graduate school, then I went to graduate school again, working as a younger artist in London. And then I went to graduate school again in Tokyo. And each of those times I sort of thought, okay, now I'm learning what I have to offer as an artist when I am going to be trying to sort of initiate my own projects and sharing them out into the world. Um, for other people, that might be a process that takes them to California. It might be a process that takes them to New York. It might be a process that, like me, takes me to the United Kingdom. But each person may find their own journey along those milestones of saying, how am I going to A, meet people that I'd like to collaborate with, B, be in a place where I'm going to be able to fail and develop what is my point of view in, in a safe environment, and C, meet people who also who are going to tell me that I'm bad. And I will learn from them and be better because of the inspiration that they, you know, that they are providing with me. And I, I don't mean it to sound that crass, but that's that's I think I found those are the things I found in those various places. That then took me on the journey to understand that I really, really cared about the generation of new work and how it existed within community, how artists supported each other, and my time in the UK very much informed the creation of the Orchard Project, the organization that I continue to run. That's fantastic. And it, it, there's, a, there's a real continuity in that, in that sense that community, you know, that question of like community and engagement has been a central indicator of both success and also the engagements that you've chosen along the way. You've even, you know, pushed yourself into directions based upon the sense of growing, expanding, evolving that community. But it sounds like that's always been the backdrop of a lot of your decision making. I, I'm lucky that um, that the opportunities were there for me to allow myself to sustainably do this economically and, you know, and not ever be in a position where um, I wasn't able to continue sort of exploring these opportunities for community where they existed. And I think that that is also a privilege that I was lucky to have purely just by timing. Um, you know, it is like a lot of this is luck just, oh, wow, I happened to be in the UK and allowed to work there at a time that there was a thing called the training and work employment scheme that allowed Americans to find a way to actually work within the United Kingdom as artists. And likewise, sort of, oh, how did that go to Japan? How did that get back to the United States? You know, what were these opportunities that sort of existed at the time? I, I think one of the things that we all have a responsibility for is possibly also making sure that um, those of us who come after us in this journey have as many opportunities for luck as possible. Um, you know, so we have to try to create as many opportunities as we possibly can for everyone else to so, to find that version of that same journey um, for themselves that we were able to find. Yeah, the responsibility of that. Yes, that's you know, in the mix of all the other complications that can sometimes get lost. So that's a, it's a great thing to underline. Um, as you're thinking, you mentioned the, the Orchard Project, um, so, and you're the artistic director, at, at, at hugely involved in its process. Um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what does, as that's a big part of, quote unquote, the career piece that you're, you're activate, active in right now, what does a daily process look like for you in your role with Orchard Project, but also 
in the surrounding additional and you know other engagements and, and partnerships that you have going on, what does it look like? How do you when you wake up? Like, what is your what's your career day look like? Um, how many pieces are there to it? And and how, what is it? What does it normally mean to you to wake into that kind of an engagement? Oh, I wish it would sound more sexy if I answered that answer in a better way, but it's going to sound pretty unsexy, Derek, for me to say. That's good. That, Again, um, honesty, honesty. Uh, you know, I, I, and I do remember when I was an undergraduate at Yale, uh, the artistic director of Long Wharf was this wonderful, wonderful gentleman named Arvin Brown, uh, who's now, I think, gone on to direct many episodes of Ally McBeal and television shows. Uh, and... Uh, I used to look at Arvin and be like, well, one day, Arvin, I would love to be an artistic director of an institution like you. And he says, you don't want to do this. There's two things you have to do when you do this. One, you have to manage a lot of people. And it is all about managing other people and keeping them happy. And two, you have to fundraise. You have to say, a good 50% of my time is going to be spent raising money to support the work and the artists that are in this universe. You think that you get to direct and you get to sort of like choose a bunch of shows and it's going to be this wonderful sort of existence. And the truth is that every time I would embrace actually the the teachings of Arvin Brown, I would say, oh, actually, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I do that well, then actually I can do the other parts a little bit well. So a huge amount of my life, this is my, and my answer to your question is the it's a very unsexy mix of trying to create the capacity and grow the capacity to support more artists, which is what the Orchard Bayou does, support their work, uh, finding them opportunities, so playing their, uh, you know, their niggly aunt um, in that regard. Um, and uh, and then I, I have a wonderful group of people that I work with, um, and, you know, it's a huge amount of my time is spent making sure that we're all you know, we're all working together in a, in a cohesive way and hopefully enjoying each other's company as we try to, you know, we try to make work and put it out in the world. Yeah. Well, community, right? <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is community, but it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it is, uh, there are times in which you sort of think, okay, it'd be really nice to just be focusing on making the chocolate, right? but the amount of work that you have to get <laughs> sourcing the chocolate, you know, making everybody okay that the kind of chocolate you chose yeah. is everybody like, Oh, how do we raise money to fund the machines that are going to make, you know, to mix the chocolate. There's all of these other things that involve like, Oh, but, and then finally, finally, if we do that, well, then we can make some chocolate. <laughs> so the, the facilitation and the support is just as important, but you, you said not sexy, but you know, impactful. It sounds like. I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe in that same vein of, you know, pulling the curtain back a little bit, um, do you have a, a particular um, personal story or example that warning or inspiring or a mixture probably um, that you think best describes your take and your involvement with the industry? And when we say industry, basically all the different parts that you touch with your career. Uh, this is just an ism that I, I think I started refining when I was undergraduate Yale and seeing people come as uh, outside artists to the dramat and to the, to the rep that I saw that there were various, you know, there were various individuals within the theater world. And now I also see it within the television world as well and the audio world as well, that uh, there are individuals and artists that fill holes and those that create holes and, they create holes and then they fill them. And the decision you have to make at one point of your journey 
is which of these two people will I be? Will I be the person who fills holes or will I be the person who creates holes and then fills them? And I think that a lot of my career has generally been in that second category saying, okay, there isn't necessarily a place for me at this table. I'm going to create something that then creates a place for me at that table. Um, and, uh, and, and that has been probably through stubbornness, <laughs> a, 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 a consistent theme, uh, within, you know, within my own, within my own career journey has been the fact that I have been said no to many, many, many times. Um, and sooner or later, rather than listening to the no and doing something else, I would say, Oh, no, I'm just going to do it better somewhere else. And that, you know, and that, and that has, you know, and that has been a mantra is okay, go and create the hole and then fill it better than anybody else can. That's a powerful mantra. If you can, and if you can stick to it, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to be thinking in those terms, but if you can stick to it, I think that's really helpful. Um, Okay, so we, we usually wrap up with kind of a series of the more practical side, right? The advising specific side to this. Um, if you could provide one piece of advice to start our audience, which is all, all kinds of Yaleys, but a lot of young Yaleys and students and those sorts of things, for them to follow a similar path, knowing that it's a complicated path and you've already given us a little bit of traction of what that looks like, but um, what would that one one bit of advice be, that one piece that could keep someone, the compass that can navigate them down a, a difficult channel? That's a really good question. Um, what's, what's jumping to me is actually the advice that I got when I was debating what school to go to and then ended up at Yale. Uh, which is that somebody said to me that many, you know, many colleges, many universities, if you walked into one psychology uh, class and here versus a psychology class, they, they'd all be on a particular level. They'd all be pretty amazing, right? If you walked into one introduction to chemistry or one, you know, or one even high level uh, comparative literature class, they'd actually all be amazing classes. So the question is what differentiates one thing from another? Mm -hmm. And the, the, this person who was giving the advice on school said, well, you're going to go and you're going to sit down at lunch in front of somebody and you're going to have a conversation with them and they're going to inspire you. And when you find the right place, you're going to find the people you want to have lunch with, right? You're going to be in the right place with the right people who are going to provoke you and give you comfort, community, trust, challenge you. Uh, and so for me, that was Yale. That was Yale. And, um, and that person's advice continues to resonate through my head as I, you know, anybody ever asks me, oh, how do I decide whether I should go here or whether I should go there? Or what should I be looking for? The truth is that the same advice in looking for what college you're going to go to is probably the same for career and community of craft. Yeah. Uh, and, being surrounded by people who inspire you and challenge you that you want to grow with and fail with. That's, you know, that's what we aspire to do through our lives. And to also understand that not necessarily you need to be with those people all the time. That's my other piece of advice is you don't need to live and breathe that singular set of people that you are working with. Um, I, you know, I am, 
in the day working in an arts industry full of other wonderfully creative producers, directors, writers, actors, designers, uh, stage managers, etc. But uh, in the evenings, um, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm connecting about, honestly with a lot of friends of mine from Yale, a lot of friends of mine from many other advantage points who are judges in California or investment bankers in London or social workers in Chicago. Yeah. And those people provide a huge amount of the inspiration for me to do what I do within my career just as much as the people who I interact with on a daily basis within it. That's great. I, I love that, you know, the people that you would want to have lunch with, that's a great way to sort of encapsulate, you know, some of the, the process of making determination. Um, but that you, you know, you, you don't always have to go home with that, that every night you can have these other outlets and these other engagements. I think both of those things are really helpful. Um, what about a decision or mistake that you'd take back if you could? somewhere along the way. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of philosophy to this. Like some people obviously would say, I wouldn't change anything because that's got, what got me here. But let's just, let's look at it from a, from a, you know, a more, uh, an unverifiable way of just saying, was there something that if, if you could flip that switch the other way, like what would that have been? I, I'd have to answer that with a, I'm not sure if I would, uh, if I would do it this way, but I do always wonder uh, what would have happened if I, I tried to build my initial career solely in the United States mm -hmm. um, and uh, with other artists who were entering into this field at that same time. Um, I don't have any, I don't, ha I, I have to say at the end of the day, I don't have any regrets because I, I was really lucky with the, where, where that journey took me. Um, but uh, it sort of comes back to this recurring theme of finding your tribe and, you know, and finding collaborators that you get to build with. Uh, and my collaborators are fairly, <laughs> are fairly far, uh, uh, field. And thank goodness for zoom. Now I can see them on a much more regular basis, uh, because some of them are in Tokyo and some of them are in London. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I do sometimes wonder what would, you know, what would my journey have been like if I had uh, stayed, you know, stayed stateside for, uh, for the for the first phase. Focused in domestically. Yeah, it, it, there's there's yeah. certainly an attraction that a lot of young um, theater community feel to, to New York, whether it's New York or Chicago or, or L.A. or what. But to to really get their roots and their anchors into something that's they've been looking at and, and kind of yearning for, for a while. So no, that's a, that's a great second thought. Um, and then, uh, why don't you, uh, finish up by telling us something uh, that's exciting you right now, you know, a new project, whether it's through orchard, um, or in a different direction or something else that you've been engaged in. Um, what's something we'd like to hear about? Well, like many artists, uh, over the course of the last, you know, 18 months, we've all dug deep and said, how can we actually expand yeah. our skill set? And uh, I mentioned before uh, the universe of audio and how the Orchard Project moved into it. I myself have started developing a number of projects in that space uh, as a director and producer. And uh, I find it to be a extremely exciting space, partially also because like indie film or like small theater, there is an opportunity to kind of embrace a little bit of trashy aesthetics and make work on 
a very low barrier to entry. Uh, and uh, the beauty of the technology that now exists for so many makers is that there are such greater capabilities of making work with fewer barriers than there used Not to be. Not unlike this podcast. Um, we're right now, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say, like the ability for us to record yeah. this and you to get high quality audio and all of those things, well, you can film a movie on your iPhone now. You can make, and so uh, I, you know, I am working on three different projects that will probably have their first manifestation in the audio world. But every single one of them, I think, aspires to sort of look at the audio world as its own. Uh, I don't. I, can, I, I, I equate it to the upside down in Stranger <laughs> Things. It's, it's sort of it will have its own existence in the upside down, and then it might have another existence in another place right. as well. Um, and what happens in the upside down? So we're not going to read into the, the dangers involved. No, in no, no. I just sort of mean like it's kind of a, it's a it's a safe it is a safe universe yeah. um, that doesn't cut off the long trajectory of you know the property and the storytelling. So there's yeah. one project that is a bit of a musical, uh, and the idea is that it would be a playlist and an album when done in audio, but then it might actually manifest into a TV project or to a live stage project if we could build mm -hmm. it, you know, if we could collectively build the constituency through, you know, through audio. That's a really exciting place for someone who used to, uh, you know, me, I used to be limited in just thinking about, okay, what's the play? What's the musical? What's the opera? Where does it go up? What's the season? What's the, you know, where is it, where does it play as far as, the community that is playing to physically and and that's something that uh many other people were jumping into a lot earlier i'm jumping into now but it's artistically extremely inspiring that's great yeah and particularly that sense of the immediacy the accessibility and almost even the the playfulness of a, 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 a not a practice space because it, it is content it's the production of new content but a, a, a sense of something that can grow and expand the same messaging having echoes like across different formats i think both of those things are exciting ways to look at it um so Ari, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Um, you know, we, I, it's always a pleasure to get a, a chance to catch up with you, but I was glad to be able to capture some of this and get you, you know, uh, bleed your wisdom, you know, out there into, you know, some of these broader audiences. Um, we're likely to come back around um, to, you know, take, a, take on maybe a, a, a deeper dive in some of these directions that we just scratched the surface on. But thank you again for participating. Uh, I, hope, I hope that this was helpful. I hope that, um, I, you know, I've at least provoked one or two thoughts in somebody who listens to this that might actually take Dozens. them to the next step. <laughs> thank you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you for, for and yes, thank you for providing this resource to folks as well. And uh, we look forward to continuing to collaborate with you as well as the Orchard uh, Project. And um, yeah, uh, let's uh, pin it for there. Um, until next time, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty. Mm -hmm.